You gotta use the force loop. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. What, what? And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hello. And so, we're not going to be doing 2016, the best of 2016. On today. This. Today. Which I was going to get to. I'm sorry. <laughs> never. Yeah. We'll never get to it. We will skip to 2017 right. before we do that. Um, but, uh, we are, we are saving that for an Oscar thing a few weeks down the road. Um, and plus we need to see more of these movies. Mm. I just, one of the things that keeps coming up with this 2016 thing was we're going to, if we did the recording now, there would probably be about 10 to 20 movies yeah. <laughs> that are going to be missing yeah. from it. And we got to like cram for this thing. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of movies in 2016, but still not enough. And after looking at the Golden Globes and everything, I was like, oh, yeah, I need to see that. I need to see that. Yeah, it's the good that. ones. We don't, the, the point is, is that, yeah, we've seen a lot of movies this year. But like if we miss a contender for the best that should be the best of the year just to kind of get it out there, we, we would be doing that whole series a disservice. Yeah, and it's not like we haven't forgotten movies in the years yeah. before, but yeah. this time it's like there would be real, like a real, a hole in our knowledge yeah. there. Um, <laughs> we could do a whole episode on the Hurt Locker to make up for us. That's right. That's right. Uh, and and how the Grinch stole Christmas. We forgot that. Do that. <laughs> and apparently Foxcatcher. And well, we mentioned Foxcatcher. Did we really? Yeah. I saw two people comment that we didn't say anything about it. We, and I just believed him. Well, I mean, just said that well, we didn't say much about it just said that um what's her name sienna miller's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sienna miller's and foxcatcher and then we never got around it if, if you want to really talk about foxcatcher movie's not very good <laughs> steve carell's good he is yeah, yeah steve carell's good and that's uh, and so's the host so's his prosthetic nose yeah, yeah and, and and channing tatum is fun but that's it mm -hmm. that's uh, it's just not very good yeah um anyway uh we are for this episode we're going to be talking about our uh, New Year's movie resolutions for 2017. It's like making promises, isn't it? I promise you that. That much I promise you. I promise you that. It's three times you promise. I can't promise you that. I mean, this should be pretty easy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always things you can do to better your movie going experience, uh, whether, whether it's a venue or type of movies you watch or whatever. So name some of your movie uh, resolutions for 2017. What I thought about with this is that, so Chris and Jeremy are both encyclopedias when it comes to movies. Like I'll say, I'll just throw out something, you know, when did the right stuff come out in 1983? You know, what, that kind of thing. And I think some of that is that you guys attach this to, and we all do, we, we attach um, meaning to when you saw it, what age you were, who yeah. you saw it with, what experience you had, that kind of thing. And, you know, when you're the more and more we get to, you know, insular with our movie watching experiences where we you pull up anything on demand or on Netflix or that kind of thing, it becomes kind of just more of a, like almost a routine instead of, you know, uh, what the experience was, um, which I think is, is, is cool that we all can just kind of tie that to here's where I was, here's what I was thinking, that kind of thing. And so one of my movie resolutions is to, to get out there and, and improve the experience overall. And one of the ways that I think that we can do that is we've got a couple of really 
nice boutique theaters in in our area uh one in kind of the the middle of the city and one in, in a suburb and i'd love to start going to those more often uh when i was living in chicago there was a really great boutique theater that, that was like three blocks away from me and that's where i saw snowpiercer and i mm-hmm. you know i waited out in a line of people that you know it was released there in like early 2015 or something like that and people who hadn't even heard about it, heard, hadn't seen it, and that kind of thing. And that was a really cool experience, uh, which I otherwise wouldn't have had just kind of watching it on demand. So that's definitely what I want to uh, to do in the coming year. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. I, my first one, I've got several. Uh, I want to watch less trailers. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, now, I, I mean this across the board, and this will make our friend Aaron Dicer very happy because he doesn't watch trailers. It's like a life philosophy for him. Um. And I, I met a guy at my brother's wedding that did this. We all went to see a movie the night before my brother's wedding. And this guy was like, hey, come get me when the Regal Cinema roller coaster starts going. I was like, why? He's like, I don't watch trailers. It <laughs> blew my goddamn mind at the time. This was like 1997. Um, <clears throat> and so we've noticed, we've talked on this podcast before about how instead of four or five trailers, now you're getting seven or eight trailers in front of every movie. Uh, the last time I went to a movie with my wife, it was La La Land and... Mm. and it was almost the showtime, and we hadn't left the house yet. She's like, we're going to be late. I was like, no, we're not, <laughs> because there's going to be 20 minutes of trailers. Yeah. And so it was such a great experience to to walk in, grab you know Coke or whatever, and go into the theater like literally right as the movie is starting, and I don't have to see any of the ads uh, that waste my time. That's mm-hmm. one reason. The other reason is trailers, as everybody knows, give too much away these mm-hmm. days. Uh, that poor asa butterfield first boy born on mars movie oh, yeah. don't, they don't even need to release that shit that trailer is the movie yeah. um and so I, I get to avoid that kind of thing um i i may still watch like one trailer for major upcoming movies online or something like that i'm not gonna like go full spoiler avoidance but i'm going to intentionally get to the theater late so that I can avoid those big, huge trailer packages. Uh, and that's going to be a, a regular thing for me. Trailers, uh, I, I have, I have, I think, recently, for the most part, I don't watch many trailers anymore. Although, watching them before the movie, you know, that's unavoidable. But I think it, I don't really pay much attention to them because a lot of times you'll come out of it going, what was that one again? That was, I don't even remember because it was one we saw, I think we saw a movie once where it was like Miss Peregrine's was on there, Monster's yeah. Calls. There was some other movie that was similarly themed. Yeah. And I think I got all three of them mixed up by the end. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, yeah. You know, like, you know, I, but, but like, yeah, trailers in general, it's amazing how many times you watch a movie without the trailer and how much better it is. Mm. When you when you do because you don't know anything about it going in and that's what's happened with like you know went and saw the movie Fences the other day did not see one trailer for that movie didn't know anything about what I was getting into and everything and I think it was a better experience for it and so that's a good one no that's a, that's a, okay so yes I agree with you especially if it's a movie that you want to see later on but I always kind of view trailers as like their own singular form of art. You know, like even if it's just a different, like a teaser trailer or that kind of thing, like the Jarhead trailer, I like the trailer a lot more than I like the movie, mm-hmm. you know? But that's a problem, isn't it? It is. But I mean, the movie's the movie. I mean, it, you can, it, it didn't sell me. Well, actually, that one sold me yeah. to go see it. But something like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I had an excellent trailer. You know, that was the one that had the immigrant song with uh, Karen O and all that stuff and Trent mm-hmm. Reznor. And that's an awesome trailer. It doesn't really give away a whole lot of the movie. 
Um, it just kind of is that that like staccato, like in your face type but of. You're thing. describing like the one percent of the trailers. Yeah, that's true. Because the the problem is like even Guardians of the Galaxy two. Mm. I'm not gonna laugh as hard or at all at any of the jokes that I've already seen in that yeah. trailer. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'd have just gone and seen the movie without knowing any of the jokes, I might laugh throughout. Plus, it doesn't even seem like there's that much artistry anymore with these trailers. Um, that is true. There doesn't. I haven't run into in a while. Now, I don't watch them nearly as much as I used to. Even when I was still working at the movie theater towards the latter end, 2012, 2013, when I didn't have to watch everything anymore. Everything was digital and didn't really matter. Mm. You know, they, they usually were going to be good. Um, when I actually had to watch movies and you had to watch the trailers and everything, it was part of the experience. And trailers seemed to be a lot better back in the day where I had to watch the movies. But over the recent years that I've watched movies in their full trailer set, they just nothing has been like that Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. trailer, yeah, or the Jarhead, like you're talking about, or the or, Little Children one, you know, Little Children, Dark City, all yeah. these ones that I love. I uh, haven't seen anything like that. I was trying to think of like trailers past 2005 that are really that good anymore, and maybe there were. Yeah, I just there. I just don't know which ones they are now. The other problem is they create they create false expectations. Yeah. Like the biggest example for me was that Dawn of the Planet of the Apes trailer where Jason Clark's running into the woods and he screams, I need to speak to Caesar. Yeah. Not in the movie. For some reason they decided, oh, that moment is not cool. Mm-hmm. We don't want to and that's maybe a one moment from the trailer I was looking forward to yeah. in the movie. Now I love that movie anyway. But Rogue One suffered from this because there's all these shots in Rogue One that lead you to suspect one thing, like when she's running out on that platform at the end of the movie, there's a goddamn TIE fighter hovering yeah. there about to shoot her, and that's not in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this really bothers my wife, and it's not really anybody's fault. We've talked about this before, how this happens, but it's still frustrating to me as a viewer. If, if your trailer does excite me, and then I come to your movie and something from the trailer is not in it, specifically something that excited me, that's a letdown. Yeah, and actually, I mean, if, if YouTube has taught us one thing, it's that anything can be manipulated into... A completely different story. It's like that Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where they make it into like a like a, a tragedy or yeah. something like that, like a big dramatic yeah. type of thing. Yeah, and yeah, you see that all the time, where the story that you're getting that you're expecting is completely different than what you get. Well, and no, and never more clear than in the movie Passengers, the trailer for that. Oh yeah, no has kidding. Complete. I mean, that trailer is a complete lie. <laughs> <laughs> such a lie and um but uh yeah so i'm i'm with you i'm probably gonna still see the same amount of trailers i'm never gonna get i i get uncomfortable uh going into a movie 20 minutes late even if i know that the trailers are gonna be on there and everything uh just there's there's the seating issues and there's like all sorts of other stuff that i i mean i will probably still watch trailers I just don't pay them as much attention as I used to. And it, you know, it's worked well because there's been movies I've seen trailers for. And then I watch the movie and I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot that I saw the trailer for this. <laughs> what was that trailer that we saw before La La Land that was uh, The Afterlife and where he goes? Uh, it was The Shack or something like that. Oh, yeah, The right? Shack. It's the a popular shack. book. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, it tells you that oh, <laughs> based it? on the acclaimed book or whatever it is. But that was the most ridiculous. We cracked the fuck up after that trailer. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous thing. Doesn't like, he go to a tr- shack cliche. and talk to God? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. And it's who'd they get? Terminator, right? They got. 
<laughs> John Connor. Yeah. No, what was his name? Kyle Reese. Oh, uh, Michael Bean. Michael Bean? <laughs> no, isn't the guy from Avatar in the shack? Oh, oh Sam, Sam Worthington. Yes. <laughs> Isn't he? Yeah, they, okay. yeah they, as long as I'm not crazy, yeah, you guys they, can laugh at yeah, my. They, I, when I pulls. when I hear Terminator and Kyle Reese, <laughs> I think Michael Bean. I don't think of anybody else. The well, other, that's because those, you don't appreciate salvation. The other <laughs> ones don't matter. Um, okay, so a resolution of mine would be something that when we were all discussing this, you guys have brought this up, so I'm stealing one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to probably try to watch more classic movies mm-hmm. and more independent movies. And other stuff that people have been sort of floating out there in the ether and everything. Um, what's the one that you were talking? Was it? Is it called um, Primer? Is that the one? That oh you- yeah. I have never seen Primer. You're gonna have to watch it five times. Yeah, and and uh, it's one of those movies that okay, I'll give that a whirl. And then there's you know I mentioned the the movies and the classic movies that I had not seen. Uh, and plus Scrooged and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to watch some more of these and, and get up to speed on the ones. Now, have over the years, I've done this pretty well. Like, I'll get a director and I'll just be like, all right, I'm going to watch everything that this guy made that I can find. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I had a, a Werner Herzog thing <laughs> uh, a while back where I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch everything because, you uh-huh. know, they. One thing that always gets cited in these all-time lists is Aguirre, Wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to finally watch this fucking movie, <laughs> and, and, and and everybody can just shut up about it yeah. or whatever. And I watched it, and it was delightful. Um, <laughs> as good as Grizzly Man? It was not as good as Grizzly Man. No, actually, no, it was better than that. But uh, but it's it's just, I, I hate it when you, this is goes to the trailers, too. I hate it when you hear so much about a movie, how great it is. That now when you watch it, that's what you're expecting. You're expecting the greatest movie ever. And I watched Gary and I was like, yeah, uh, I like it. I mean, I don't know about this all time list type of thing, (laughs) but uh, yeah, very good. So yeah, there's some movies that slip through the cracks. And and today there was a sort of a case in point. I actually watched this in theaters, but it's a movie that it's a classic slipped through the cracks movie boiler room was on oh Oh, i love boiler room i love boiler room (laughs) too that's great and it's a movie that back in the you know 1999 2000 new line cinema age Uh it's very new line cinema like they came out with the skulls back then they came out with final destination (laughs) all these movies that had this there must have been a guy who was at the head of new line who's like we got to do some gritty shit man (laughs) um but these movies kind of slipped through the cracks and they, they weren't given either a great theatrical release or whatever. And find some more of those type movies that are out there yeah. that you know are good. They just didn't find an audience or whatever. So doesn't doesn't Ben Affleck have like a almost he, like an Alec it's an Baldwin? Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it's and it and you know what? It is unapologetic about it being an Alec Baldwin type appearance because he even says you got to go out there and close everything. <laughs> he's what he says always. Yeah, be closing. Pretty much, it's as close to it's as close to always be closing without actually saying it. Ben Affleck comes in with his little cameo oh, and. Man. And man, I love movies like Boiler Room because they're just unapologetic about oh, yeah. how, you know, they're just like, everything is fuck this and fuck that. And you're like, yeah, man, I can get down with this. <laughs> and um, it's a great little companion piece to both Wall Street and uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. If you wanted to, you know, sort of combine those movies all in one. Or even Wolf one of Wall sitting Street. And Wolf of Wall Street yeah. as well later on. Um, uh, but yeah, a movie like that, 
you know, I'm, I was lucky enough to see it because I was in a movie theater and I had to watch it at the time. I would have never seen that movie mm. today if it came out. And obviously very, very few people saw it yeah. back then. <laughs> but, uh, but I, that's a sort of a resolution. I'm going to try to find those, those movies that aren't in your face. Yeah, that's a good plan. Yeah, one of the things that, that La La Land actually reminded me of is how much I love those old school musicals. Man, I was not expecting the vibes. Not that we should detour into a La La Land review, but I was not expecting... I got like Singing in the Rain vibes yep. and White Christmas vibes. Yeah. And I had been expecting... I've been told it reinvented the musical when really I think it just kind of gave it new life and found a way to make what worked about the old school musicals work with a modern story and a modern filming um i wasn't expecting that at all no yeah because there's the last 10 to 20 years has had such a focus on realism right or surrealism Mm -hmm. that nobody's bothered to like kind of just go straight forward into this territory yeah uh when they used to do it all the fucking time you know i've been on this kick every now and again as, as much as i can to watch turner classic movies and they'll show like funny face with mm-hmm. like audrey hepburn and and uh fred astaire mm-hmm. and those fred astaire movies back in the day are just so much fun to watch they're not all-time classic wonderful great story plot and that kind of thing but they're fun as hell man and mm-hmm. i, I want to watch a lot more of those things oh yeah it's it's just too much fun well my resolution regarding what i want to watch more of is um you know in the last six eight weeks we've talked about a few directors that are like on the cusp of being the next big thing, the next Nolan or the next, you know, what have you. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron is probably close, if not there already. Denis Villeneuve is Mm. there. Um, A lot of these guys that have made movies the last two or three years that have been great or have two in a row Mm -hmm. that have been great. um, I want to go back and check out all their early work. So specifically with Denis Villeneuve, I've only seen two of his movies. Mm -hmm. I want to go check out everything that he's been involved with, Mm. maybe even something he... He wrote that he didn't direct. Same with Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, specifically toward geared toward these, what we think might be the next great batch of directors. I want to eat up their early stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Denis Villeneuve has 17 director credits. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Uh, now, I'm sure a lot of these are shorts and stuff like that. I mean, IMDb, I didn't look at like every single title that's on there, but... Um, but I, I did after, after last week when we all, you know, shamefully didn't see Sicario, <laughs> I, uh, I went and watched Sicario, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, I, I watched that and I watched Enemy and I watched Incendies and that's always been fun to me is finding a director, like you're saying, uh, and, and just blowing through a good chunk of his filmography where you're like, all right, I seen that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and man, uh, Denis Villeneuve's got, I mean, there were two great movies out of that group. Incendies is awesome. Mm. And I was telling you guys before we got on this uh, podcast is it stretches you the limits of your uh, believability at, uh, at some point, but it's a great movie. It's great. And, um, and then enemy was just Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, and that's all just kind of a weird movie. It's just kind of fun to just sit down and cozy mm-hmm. up next to it, even though it's a weird fucking movie. Uh, but uh, Sicario is great too. Just those two were like those like slam dunks. Nice. Yeah, and this is, I mean, even if they're not as good as the stuff that you know them for, you usually still get a gem that you weren't expecting. Like after 
Boogie Nights and Magnolia, I went back and watched Hard Eight, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not as good as either one of yeah. those, but it's plenty good. It's yeah. plenty enjoyable. Lots of great actors in it, um, and so that's what that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and see the early one. It's see. like it's like listening to Nevermind and going back and listening to Bleach. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's not nearly as good. But uh, well, you know, every one of these things, though, is like that. Though I mean, yeah. you look back at early Simpsons and look at like how they how the animation was and how their <laughs> yeah. story was and everything like that. Although, although I, I kind of crave yeah. like if if they could have just come back a little bit, dial it back from where that. I mean, they of course jumped the shark a long time ago, <laughs> but I wish they could kind of come back and like take their time on stories again. But anyway, yeah, you look at anything in their, you know, their beginnings. When you're talking about Hard Eight, you can see the Paul Thomas Anderson that's mm. about to emerge from that movie, and you know they, you know they have uh, they have some limits of what you know money and and every and uh, power that they can get certain things done. He wanted to call that movie Sydney, by the way, hmm. and he never got he never got the chance. He had to call it Hard Eight. It's hard to recognize greatness in its prime when it comes to movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we may be at Damien Chazelle's prime, you know, even though he's just starting out. Well, and the guy's 31. Oh, my God. That's crazy. incredible. I mean, he came up and he 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 um, got two Golden Globes the other day. Yeah. And he came up and he was like, I was like, holy crap, that guy's younger than I am. <laughs> and and I went on the IMDb and I was like, yeah, sure enough, he's born in 1985. Wow. And I was like, that guy. <laughs> pretty good head start there. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> um. Here's, here's what I want to do. When we talk about, and actually this was a question several episodes ago uh, where people were asking about our favorite foreign movies. Mm-hmm. And I I am humbled in the amount of foreign movies that I have not seen. Hmm. Yeah, um, me too. Because you get, you get a whole different take on how stories are told. Mm-hmm. When you see something like Amelie, you don't yeah. want to see the American version of Amelie. Right. You don't want to see the American version of City of God. Yeah. You know, uh, those are those are unique takes on this type of story. Uh, not to say that American films can't do a gangster, you know, mobster film, you know, just as good or a romantic comedy. But these are the the kinds of things. So I, I man, I really want to see more stuff from Japan, mm-hmm. more stuff from even Korea and you know, like Sweden and France and things like that. South American stuff and. Yeah, I just know that there's there's stories that aren't not getting to us necessarily. There was somebody on Twitter yesterday or the day before was telling me about a Bollywood movie that's very much like the Raid films mm. and not at all like a Bollywood film. Oh wow! Um, and that I should check it out. I need to go back and figure out what that was. But I I agree. That's another area I'd like to explore because of course you, you I watched City of God for the first time this year and was shamed myself for having waited <laughs> so long. And now whenever I see it on, I'm like, yep, I'm gonna go yeah. click and watch that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go click and watch that. Uh, it's another one of those movies like The Departed that I can just slide in and out oh, of yeah. pretty easily because it has so many different movements. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the foreign is, is a, that's a good one. That's another area I'd like to check out. And, as well. and mm-hmm. even though I've seen quite a few, and I usually see like the big ones that come out and everything, there's still a stunning amount that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm sure that you know somebody if if they're like an expert at this could rattle off like you know twenty to thirty to forty maybe even hundreds yeah. that I haven't seen 
And it's just because I just never heard of it or, right. or the, or the, sometimes a lot of times these, you know, the foreign language films that come in uh, a little depressing sometimes because mm-hmm. it's, it's about some real hard shit. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and you're just like, all right, I'm going to have to carve out some time for that and be able to be depressed <laughs> and, uh, whatever. But, but uh, I mean, there's also something to be said about proximity. If you, if we have stuff that's readily available to us, cause there's so much content now. Yeah. Uh, that it's it's hard to sift through and get to those. Well, those it's like things. television, right? There yeah. are probably a oh, dozen geez. shows on TV that are great that I haven't watched yet. Yeah, because I have watched other shows that are great, and I don't have time for all yeah. of the shows. Well, we have we have to make time for Top Chef. Top Chef Thursday mm-hmm. night tonight, mm-hmm. nine p.m. Mm-hmm. Central. Mm-hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another resolution uh, regarding. You mentioned something about finding seating when you come into a, a theater and it's dark. Um, so. I went when I went to Rogue One. My wife was going to go see something else at the same time. Uh, honestly, can't remember what she saw. <laughs> trolls. Oh, she saw Arrival. Um, <laughs> yeah, trolls. <laughs> and the only Rogue One showtime anywhere in in the ballpark for when her movie was starting was the three Mac three D IMAX presented Rogue One. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I ordered my Showtime, and it's actually a guy that used to work for me when I managed that theater, <laughs> selling me the ticket. And he's like, "Which what kind, which seat do you want?" And I go, "What?" And he goes, we have, we have like selected seating yeah. now. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. He's <laughs> like, no. And I was like, well, just find me one that's away from a lot of people. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to see any 3D or IMAX uh, unless three trusted persons tell me this movie's 3D mm. is worth it. I'm not going to settle like I did that weekend with my mm. wife a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm not going to be coerced by my friend's 15-year-old like I was with Deadpool. Um <clears throat> I'm not doing it. Yeah, and uh, it's a uh, it's a good rule of thumb to follow. Actually, uh, I was caught into a position because of passengers. Fuck that movie, by the way. <laughs> Always seems to run. I run like every time I run into a problem with 2016 passengers. Always seems to Does come. Does it have up. a song? Passengers. Like, I, I am a passenger. You know that song? I, la la la. You know la, what? La, la, I've la, heard la, that song recently. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I know there's a band called Passenger. Right, right on the, ride, you know what, you know that song. It's Iggy Pop. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah. So we wanted to see Passengers before we knew it sucked, and we uh, so it was like a certain time, and it had it was the 3D time, and the way they scheduled it, you could tell too. It was just like yeah, the 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 regular version was like at one, and then it was like at six, and yeah. then it was like you know. <laughs> midnight and then there's like a special 4 a.m showing somewhere whatever because they don't want to show that they want the 3d premium and everything i was i didn't really know until we got to the theater that's what we were watching the 3d version of it and if there is a movie that i have seen less 3d in it Uh, has to be passenger oh really yeah i mean even though it's they're on a ship that's kind of cool looking and everything and they go out into space a couple of times or whatever never once was i just like Oh wow, that's cool! Yeah. Nothing was like that. And your that. ticket was twice as expensive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, X Men Apocalypse was like that for me. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was nauseating. Yeah, I don't know what they did to it, but it was just awful. I'll tell you what I do like though. I love that assigned seating thing though. You do? Oh yeah, man. We used to it, the theater I went to in Chicago all the time. The big multiplex thing on the river. It had all the seating and the reclining seats and all that stuff. Oh, love it. But I love it. I mean, I guess I, I love it in the sense that not an IMAX. If I'm one of the last guys to buy my ticket and I can pick to be away from people, I will do so. Mm-hmm. But 
yeah, I guess I don't have a problem with it, but it, it added like five minutes to my box office checkout time. And I imagine if you're doing that for everybody, because he showed me this chart and here's this <laughs> yeah. scene and this yeah. scene. It's like buying tickets to <laughs> a concert. This one's open. Yeah. This one's not open. And I'm just like, I just give, give me in the goddamn movie. <laughs> I tell you what, though, uh, X-Men Apocalypse, for all its faults and everything, was one of the best theater experiences I ever had because I was in Jacksonville. Oh, is that the one where you drove all the way <laughs> yeah, down? Yeah, I drove all the way down to Jacksonville uh, because I had taken my mom to this far reaches of Georgia that I didn't know existed <laughs> anymore. Like, the, the like a time had passed over. Um, <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> was it just uh, the town from the help? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Like, no, seriously, you drive through the town and it really does look like like 1960s uh, whatever. Awesome. Uh, I didn't, like, I was sort of like stuck out in the middle of freaking nowhere in Georgia and I was like, you know what? How do I spice this up a little bit? I know. I'll drive to Jacksonville. <laughs> Just like Ryan Reynolds said, Deadpool. That's, that's like the Simpsons going to Knoxville. Yeah, yeah. It's very much like that. But the Jacksonville Theater had the like the the recliner seats yeah. and everything. Like in Nashville, we don't have anything like that. Yeah, what's any- up with that? Yeah, and 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 I wish there was a way to like you know not give theaters my business so that they would start doing the reclining seats (laughs) and all this other like i think that was a sign seating too i went to the kiosk and like it was like where do you want to sit i was like oh oh oh, yeah yeah yeah. boom right there right it's arousing it's arousing once you realize what yes it is a little disconcerting at first but then you're like well because i get all this elbow room yeah i can recline well Well, unless somebody buys the seat next to you but see, I, w- I went Still. like right around showtime mm. and it was like this s- s- section that I could just like, oh, there's nobody around here. <laughs> you and, roped it off. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. Right. Yeah. I bought all the tickets. <laughs> um, no, I. Uh, but it was right around showtime. So it wasn't there was a very low chance that there would be like lots of people coming in. And I, I, I lucked out on that. But then there's also like a bar in there. You could yeah. like sit there and hang out <laughs> and everything and just. There, that's something that's missing from a lot of theaters and especially around this area. There's not like that hangout kind of mentality. This is more of like get in get and in, get, get out. out. Yep. And um, so, yeah, that was something I really enjoyed. I wish it was more. I wish it was a way that I could tell, you know, the the chains around here. No, that- yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we went to see one out in, in my area of town. And it's such a shitty theater that they were selling tickets. The box office was at the concession stand. Mm. And this was a Friday night. And you could see, we were already in line by the time Chris showed up. You could see the rage on his face when he walked mm-hmm. in. It's like, this is pretty awful, right? And he's like, this is my worst fucking nightmare. And went and sat down in the other part of the lobby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate lines, man. Oh, man. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like Eric Cartman in that, in that one episode where he buys the whole carnival by himself, the whole theme park to himself. He's like, it's like, the big thing about it is that you can't come. He like, oh, pulls out an ad just to tell people they can't come. <laughs> I yeah I hate lines man and the the that's the thing about and this is this was this is nothing new even when I was working with um, in movie theaters and everything uh, everything is very bare bones staff mm-hmm. uh, these companies are basically believing they're making money by trimming money mm-hmm. so like there's the payroll has to be a certain amount 
and all this and it's and it's annoying because you can't have that like extra uh breathing room in case somebody doesn't show up in case somebody gets sick you know all these different things and and that extra person to go get things and mm. all this other stuff and now it's to the point where it's like well you know as long as there's just you know two or three people in this concession stand doing it doing the concession job everything's good but there's lines that come out to yeah. the and especially in a place like we were at where there's not any room for that yeah like that that was built for you know a town in the 1950s yeah and and it's you know it's 2016 and there's like you know there's nothing but swaths of people coming out of the theater and everything. yeah if you if you have a lot of employees though you can kind of knock off and go play christian rock concerts. yes you can <laughs> see now this was my dilemma in my brief stint as a gm which was just at the tail end and right before i gave up completely on the theater industry was that you would you know i had to meet these weekly payroll projections mm-hmm. and they were constantly going down constantly uh but my attendance wasn't going down Mm. and so i follow the payroll guidelines i get rocked on friday and saturday night i have lines out the ass i get complaint cards and then i get bitched out by the district manager the next week because i had too many complaints and my staff didn't do enough catch 22 of movie theater exactly that's the that is the most annoying thing about today's movie theater and you i mean really honestly when when you go and you're in these lines and, and and you're like, well, why can't they do something about this? Because they have been hamstrung. Yep. They cannot do anything about this. Believe me, they want to schedule as many people as possible in these situations, but they can't. Yep. Or and they'll get was, bitched out. Yeah. There was a point in time towards the end there where we had to, we had to go through and like, uh, look at our attendance and put it into this little like computer calculation thing that they built for us. Hmm. Um, and we had to go, here's the attendance, and here's uh, here's how much payroll we have. And they'd be like, you're not within the whatever amount it's supposed <laughs> oh to be. You have to cut people or whatever. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's like you'd get to, like, 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. Of course there's not people at 2 o'clock. It's after 2 o'clock is when yeah. people come in on Sunday. You had to cut people. And then you start getting the lines and everything like that. And yeah. then you know it's just it's it's awful it's yeah. awful i assume i mean the the fandango or, or those other apps that you can use to mm-hmm. um to, to buy it ahead of time i'm finding myself increasingly reliant on that even though it, it pains me a little bit to pay yeah 16 for a fucking movie ticket but i mean it's just gotten to the point where it's worth it you know to yeah. skip the lines well yeah, yeah that's same what... with uh you know stuffing some beef jerky down your pants instead of mm-hmm. buying popcorn at mm-hmm. the you know Hell, man, I don't even have I don't even, I don't even have to go to the movie theater to stuff beef jerky down. <laughs> Not that this is my pizza war preferred method of sneaking food into the theater or anything. But I've heard is it in a package? Stories about pe- yes, of course it would be in a package. Nobody stuffs jerky loosely in no, their pants. No, no, <laughs> like a belt. Yeah, you have a little bandolero. I have what's like, uh, like a, it's called a interior fanny pack. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's for jerky. <laughs> yeah, no. but yeah. but my point is the lines, in addition to the prices, are why people always constantly sneak food in. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, another resolution I had. I don't know if you guys are done, but Go for it. I want to watch fewer movies that I know in advance are going to suck. Mm. Nice. Mm. Now, our job necessitates that we will probably see all shitty movies anyway. Yeah. Uh, 
But this year, if we're talking mini pods, I want it to be movies that we all think are going to be good. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do a goddamn mini pod on Transformers 5 because oh, I don't want to go watch that motherfucking oh, movie. Well, we're not doing a mini pod on Transformers 5. I can yeah. tell you that right now. <laughs> now, we did some this year. We didn't have a lot of successes. Like we negatively reviewed most of the movies yeah. we did mini pods on. But that that wasn't movies that we expected to be bad. Right. Yeah. Um, for the most part, we hoped those movies were all going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just weren't. But uh, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to be like I saw Batman v Superman at the theater last year because my friend Jason talked me into it. We were gonna, we were supposed to have lunch. He was going to, to see it with his son afterwards. And I just was like, what the hell? OK. And I regretted that so fucking hard because ultimately then when we send that thing, I'm watching it twice, basically, to write <laughs> since. And so now I've seen this piece of shit three times. Mm-hmm. And that's two and a half hours. I can't get any of that back. Yep. So. I'm, I'm putting my foot down about that. That's, Jason's not going to talk me into any shit that's this year. Probably a good one. I mean, and and just just the idea of of giving giving those movies your money. Although I'm always I'm a little like skeptical of this. I'm not going to give this movie my money uh, type of thing. Like your one, you know, your one fourteen dollars is going to make them stop making Transformers movies. I mean, if you can get everybody to do that, then that would be great. <laughs> well, but, and I'm not even trying to get them to stop making Transformers. Movies. No, but what I'm saying is, is that there part of it is like not giving them money for what yeah. you know for what you know is going to be trash. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't matter. You can't tell the public not to watch Transformers. Yeah, you know? but I, I hear what you're saying. It, you know, it can be out there, but I'm not going to listen to it. I mean, there can be the newest Fifth Harmony album out there. I'm not going to listen to it unless I absolutely have to. There you, you know? go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you might send one of those videos for music video sins, but that doesn't mean you're going to be on YouTube watching the video for leisure. <laughs> well, and, and what the hell is Fifth Harmony without Camila Cabello anyway? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, She was not comfortable being sexualized. Really? That's what I read yesterday. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. they're very sexualized. Well, then, okay. Uh, she's only 19, I guess. Kind of, she's yeah, only she's, 19. She's only 19 years old. Uh, no, I... I, I, you know, we'll see how that works on her on her solo album, where she'll probably be. In hey, like, everybody yeah. said that about Zane and Nile, but look at him go. That's right, <laughs> rocking out believe, with their cocks out. I can't believe I pay enough attention to pop culture news to know these people's names. That's depressing. Oh no, it's fine. I mean, Camila Cabello was out there like making out with Machine Gun Kelly after mm-hmm. she left the group. Selena so Gomez like- was making out with the Weeknd. Oh, oh, you see that? No, and then she showed her butt. What? What? She put on some picture on Instagram today of her in a thong. What? From the is side it a video? behind. I didn't take video of my screen. No, is is she doing a music video? Oh, no. With it the was uh, No, she was just hanging out with The weekend, looking sexy. She mm. had like a towel around the front. Nice. Yeah. And then somebody pointed out, this probably all should be cut. And then somebody <laughs> pointed out that like at the Grammys or whatever, Video Choice Awards or whatever, where she came back after rehab oh yeah yeah her whole talk was about i don't want to see your bodies on instagram i want to see your hearts and two months later she's like <laughs> in a thong showing her ass yeah how, how much do we really take celebrities at their word anyway when they say know. stuff like that like listen you know. i every single thing that sean penn says i take to heart i write it down in this <laughs> little book i call <laughs> my bible <laughs> and i read it regularly yeah, yeah. I memorize it right i make these little felt figures and do sunday school classes for my stuffed animals mm. yeah so you get the full interview with el chapo then <laughs> man that's that's taking it pretty far man <laughs> And Sean Penn isn't 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 that wise all the time. <laughs> Not as wise as Rosie O'Donnell. That's right. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, like you know, 
better theater going experience mm-hmm. movies that you haven't seen that you haven't given a chance to uh movies that you know aren't going to be good don't give them a I, chance yeah i really like jeremy's suggestion I'm, I'm gonna take that up too i'm not gonna watch shitty movies just for shitty movie's sake like like independence day resurgence yeah or apocalypse or whatever the fuck it yeah, was it's extinction state of the union awakening yeah <laughs> <laughs> Chronicles. Yeah, Chronicles. That is exactly the reason, the, 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 the ability of us to slot those yep. subtitles in yep. is exactly the problem. And that, oh, that was not the worst movie I've seen this year. Was Suicide Squad the worst movie we've seen this year? Uh, man. Oh, now see, we didn't do the comparison between that and Independence Day. Yeah. I think Independence Day is worse than Suicide Squad. I don't see any redeemable qualities in Independence Day. There's zero. There's nothing. There isn't one thing in that movie that you came out of going, well, that was pretty cool. <laughs> there were some parts that were good. You didn't, yeah. you didn't do that. It wasn't anything. Same with uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Right. Yeah. And Alice Through the Looking that was just a miserable experience. <laughs> It just really a miserable, is. It's miserable. like torture. They yeah. should use that instead of waterboarding. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile <laughs> she's a female sea captain. <laughs> meanwhile, in Suicide Squad, there's at least like you know three or four things in there yeah. where you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Even though the movie's terrible. Yeah. But that's the only thing that's saving it above Independence Day and Alice through the Looking Glass. And they're like, oh, geez. yeah, it was a bad year for blockbusters. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think those are some good resolutions. All right, uh, want to uh, uh, introduce and uh, and to welcome to the show uh, Jeremy Simser, Yay! who is a storyboard artist, and hey uh, he has a, uh, a pretty impressive list of credits, especially in the dc tv realm and it's like it's almost like you're a go-to guy in this dc tv realm man it's like every show that's anything you've done a storyboard for i uh i sort of made that uh, situation for myself yes, oh yeah I, yeah kind how'd of, that happen way, yeah who um, did you sleep with <laughs> <laughs> uh well let's uh let's uh nail it down a little bit um uh, I recently moved to Vancouver from Toronto, where uh, my wasn't working out well there. So I moved here, uh, sort of on a wing and a prayer. Uh, my girlfriend and I just sort of packed up and decided to give it a shot out here. Okay. And uh, and upon arriving here, um, I had a couple of jobs lined up, which was good. But I also uh, reached out to uh, several uh, working storyboard artists in town. Uh, but I did sort of have a, a specific eye on on you know the the DC TV shows because I knew they were out here and and there's a lot of them right yeah yeah and uh, at the, at the time there was only two and then of course the, the third and now the fourth have come and reaching out to uh, a gentleman by the name of David McLean who is the uh, the regular storyboard artist on uh, Arrow oh. uh, wor- worked out in my favor uh, in a couple of ways first he was taking a medical leave. Uh, and needed somebody to fill in for him. Uh, so he contacted me about that. And uh, that was going to happen in December, which was several months uh, in the future from, from that point. In the meantime, he suggested uh, that uh, the the new director who was directing his first episode of any television ever, J.J. Uh, Maccaro, who was doing an episode of The Flash, uh, make use of me to to do his episode. Uh, because, uh, again, the regular guy, and this was just good timing on my part, uh, the regular guy on The Flash. What are you doing to all these guys, Jeremy? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. David McLean uh, is still very well-seated at uh, over at Arrow, so he's he's doing well over there. Um, I, I filled in for him for a month, and that was it. 
but the regular guy who did the Flash uh, went uh, and left to do uh, war uh, on the Planet of the Apes. Oh, oh wow! Huh. Yeah, so you know he couldn't commit to his to his Flash stuff anymore. So I kind of I kind of snuck in. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I've done every episode since. So. Wow, wow, that's, that's awesome. amazing. So like yeah. so so when I go to JeremySimser.com and you have selected. Uh, episodes of you know your work that's not everything you've done you've done a ton other stuff oh yeah no i i pick pretty much like one one sort of set from each show uh and not even every show but like from the shows that i've decided to show yeah uh on my website uh yeah no i do i do a solid three or four uh, two two to four sequences per episode of the flash for yeah, for every episode, and then uh, I've also been doing roughly the same amount for Supergirl as well since it started here. Wow! So yeah. I guess the ultimate, like, real first question here is: What does the storyboard artist do? What is his role? What is the director looking for in what you're doing? Well, it, it varies from from sort of director to director, but the the basic premise of what I do is I draw a physical representation of what the director is going to shoot mm -hmm. so frame by frame uh not frame by frame like film wise but like more cut by cut uh in each in each panel that i draw uh, will represent how he's going to set up the camera and also to represent the the action that will take place on camera okay so that can so essentially that can be used as a communication tool rather than using words uh we can just look at all of the pictures and say this is going to be how this is going to unfold and it's a lot easier if people have a visual representation but that's not those kind of instructions uh, for what the director is looking for isn't typically found in a standard script right so are you do you have regular communication with the director as far as what kind of shots he's going to set up is there a separate kind of document that you get sent that you work from or how does that work uh face-to-face -face meetings to start Awesome. So what happens is, is that once the uh, once the crew uh, and the production gets the uh, the script distributed, uh, everybody has a read through and uh, and sort of starts to make their own budgets. Essentially, uh, every department does that uh, as an individual uh, in that process. I essentially read through it and sort of just just earmark what I think is is likely to be storyboarded. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the action sequences and the VFX, uh, visual effects sequences uh, are mainly those those things. The stuff that's a little bit more complicated to communicate uh, so that people can have that reference. That's what uh, I was, I, sorry, that's what I was noticing on your, on, on the website when you have the stuff that you're showing on there. They're usually action scenes and it looks like stuff that typically would be confusing if you didn't have a reference point. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially on a show like this where uh, like the Flash, for example, where the action goes from the real actor to a stunt actor to a digital character. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really good to have that sort of visual roadmap so that everybody's sort of on. Because I take little, I make little notes on the side as well, saying this is going to be real, this will be stunt, this will be digi, uh, so that everybody can look at it and understand what's what the elements of those shots will be. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got That's a hand pretty, really in in the development of this whole thing. And in a TV series, obviously, that, that goes from week to week to week? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do eight-day prep on every episode. And uh, they usually give a couple of days at the beginning of prep where uh, the, the director kind of settles in and gets a, you know sort of the bigger stuff out of the way. So I usually come in on day three or day four of prep and uh, uh, sit down with the director. Uh, and we'll go through the sequences that we want to storyboard. 
and again, from director to director, that that varies on what exactly that means. Uh, and yeah, and then so I'll, then I'll go away, and I generally work from home for the rest of it. I'll do my I'll do my my roughs out first. I'll send those in for notes, and then I'll get those back, and then I'll do revisions, and and hopefully get a full product out by the time. Uh, the first couple of days of shooting are done. Hopefully, are, are underway. <laughs> hopefully being the operative word. <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, the one the one that I'm working on right now is actually like uh, uh, I've ended up storyboarding. I think it's six sequences for this one. Wow. Uh, most of them have been sort of average in size uh, as far as my workload is concerned. But I'm doing like the entire finale of this episode pretty much, and it's a lot of work. So. Uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll be well into shooting by the time this one comes. But this one actually shoots by the end of like towards the end of the shooting schedule, so I have a little bit of time to work on it. So this may be a stupid question, but do those shows shoot in Vancouver? <laughs> they, they do, yeah. <laughs> okay, because uh, I didn't know that, yeah. and I was just picturing. How weird it would be to have to fly to Vancouver to have a face-to-face meeting with the storyboard artist and then fly back to L.A. to shoot the episode. Yeah, no, that for me, I mean, it's all like storyboarding is a very much a local, uh, sort of a locally farmed out thing, right? Like, I mean, it's much easier to do face-to-face, although I am particularly good at doing it over Skype. I've done it many times. Hmm. You just um, said you're particularly good at doing it over Skype, and we're going to splice <laughs> that out on its own and make you sound perfect. Can you, can you make the, that little clip at the beginning of the, of the episode? That would be great. Um, uh, I have had to do storyboarding sessions over Skype many times. Um, and uh, I mean, one of the one of the the sort of strengths of the way that I do things is that I'm actually very good at communicating uh, this stuff with directors. So. Uh, like a face to face is always good, but I don't necessarily have to be there. I was uh, I was very close about two weeks ago to getting a a, a job with uh, for a pilot uh, where the director was going to be in New York, and I was going to do it uh, do the storyboarding from here just because I'd worked with the production company before in Toronto. So mm. it's a kind of a long like a couple of steps removed, but it would have been for Doug Lyman, and I oh. worked for Doug Lyman before, and that was kind of so I would have liked to have done it, but yeah. So it didn't. It just didn't work out schedule wise. But now you've storyboarded for him before, though, right? I have. I did. Uh, I did uh, Jumper. Yeah. Ah, nice. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's Jeremy remembering the prep document that Barrett That's right. sent him. Uh, what was that experience like? Because that's uh, you know this, that's a that's a movie that I, I think has maybe a mixed audience in terms of like I I want to love it so bad because the concept is so cool. Uh, it just you know has beats here and there that don't quite fit for me. But how how is it different to storyboard for a film? Obviously, time. But other than that, what's the difference between TV and film? And is there any difference in the actual work you're doing? Yeah, no, it's a huge difference as far as uh, uh, as far as just the time goes. Like storyboarding for television, it's all about getting it out and getting it done quick, right? Right. So I do a little bit of it. Well, I mean, I didn't. I hesitate to say that I do a slightly lesser version of my storyboards for TV too, because I've developed my process to the point where I'm actually really fast at doing these sort of what I consider to be quite finished drawings. Um, uh, the electronic aspect of that has really helped too, because you know, ever since I started working on a Wacom tablet, and and you can cut and paste backgrounds and and all of that stuff, it just makes it so much faster. Uh, but it's just a matter of, I'll give you the example. Uh, the most recent example is uh, like doing essentially twenty four episodes of The Flash from September to May uh, of last year to this year. Uh, or no, well, whatever, and for over the season, mm-hmm. um, I do three to four sequences per episode in that amount of time. Mm. Uh, last summer, I did uh, a film 
that I was uh, on for about, I guess it was about eight weeks, maybe eight to 10 weeks. And I did three sequences. Wow. Huh. They were bigger, and but there's a lot more, like, they're very specific when it comes to, to, to movies because it's, I think it's a lot more money involved and you got to, you sort of got one chance at it and you just got to make sure that it's absolutely right. So I did one sequence for six weeks on that show. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, there's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> I guess with TV, the reason why you're doing way more on that is just because it, they're they're going from shoot to shoot to shoot to shoot and they want to make sure that they get all this stuff right you know and everything they're moving faster right that's what it is it's eight days of prep and eight days of shoot yeah and while and while you're shooting those those eight days the next episode is prepping the eight days like their eight days so wow. they overlap like that you prep one and you shoot one and then you shoot the next one and you prep the next one at the same time so yeah i mean it's just a never-ending sort of circle of life if you will. <laughs> um how closely do you are do directors use these storyboards once they're once they're for for sure going to be incorporated and everything like i mean they're obviously not bound to do everything that's in the storyboard and everything but how close is it again in television it's it's really just sort of like a roadmap it's like here's the here's what we're doing uh and uh, if on the day the angle doesn't quite work then you then you fix it and if if something just doesn't doesn't end up getting shot it it doesn't get shot changes are made uh much more frequently to television storyboards than they are to uh film storyboards mm-hmm. uh but again it also depends from director to director um if you for example uh Glenn Winter who has done several episodes of uh, uh Supergirl uh and Legends of Tomorrow uh, you can you can hold my boards up to what he ends up shooting, and it's usually pretty close. Mm-hmm. Is that a cool feeling, man? Absolutely. Every I, time. I wrote down a question to ask you: was like, have you ever had a moment where you were surprised by the finished product matching your storyboard so closely that it like gave you chills or something? Uh, yeah, the very first time that that happened for me was uh, was uh, on Resident Evil uh, Apocalypse. No. Oh. Hmm. Uh, because I had been, uh, but uh, from that point, or before that, I should say, sorry, I was, I had pretty much been doing just television, uh, a show called Witchblade. Uh, oh, I remember then, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not much of a, I mean, it's a good show, but you know. Uh, that, was, that, was my, that was my first ever job, actually, was Witchblade. And, um, and you know, again, it's the same thing like I was saying. Like, it, they don't, television, out of necessity, they don't tend to stick to the storyboards exactly. But, uh, so then I went on Resident Evil, and I was working with uh, with Alexander on that, Alexander Witt. And uh, he was very meticulous in in the shots that he wanted and what he was planning on shooting on the day. And uh, yeah, there's the, there's a scene uh, in that uh, with um, uh, in the kitchen, an industrial kitchen with some zombie dogs. Yeah, and everything. And there's you've just recently seen I've recently <laughs> recently watched this. Yeah, I've seen that movie three times, but I've recently seen this. Yeah, I know I'm, what you're talking seen- about. I've seen that movie once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my world. Right. Yeah, well, that's it, right? Uh, well, you're very excited about the last one, which is coming out soon. I can tell. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Totally. I'm, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I liked the first one, and I think this last one is going to – I'm going to have to see it just because, you know, it ties things up or whatever. Yeah. But 
<laughs> we'll see. It says the final chapter, but I got burned on Friday the 13th on yeah, that. We'll, so. we'll see about that, right? Yeah. Also, it's got Sir Jorah uh, Mormont in it from Game of Thrones. Yeah, it does. Cool. He's been in it since the uh, the second one. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, I had I no idea until I started going through this. I was like, oh, wow. He's been there since, like, basically the beginning. It's not just a Game of Thrones cash-in, you know? Um, I thought it was. I totally thought it was. I thought it was, too. It was almost like they made an investment, right? Like It's like, this guy might be big someday. Get Guess what? We can cash in on the Game of Thrones now. Um, but That's like, hysterical. Uh, you said uh, you said Glenn Winter uh, is really close to your storyboards, and and when yeah. I was going through the stuff that's on your site and everything. And I was watching these episodes. The one that I thought was amazingly close, and I thought was this is something that you know would really require a storyboard. It was in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. It was the part two of the pilot of. Uh, the the second episode they have this big huge action scene like that's set in 1975 and it's like all these people with superpowers and it's and just like big, and the camera is roving camera around <laughs> yeah. and i was like geez this is like I, this is an undertaking right here um, absolutely and that that's actually glenn winter too and yeah that's sort of his that's a lot of his uh his signature for these shows is he likes to do these big these big winners essentially that are just like insane especially for television which is a lot of cutting and stuff and just like a lot easier to do it in cuts uh but yeah he just said that's sort of the it's been the mold for that show actually they, they tend to try to do those those long ones uh, in that shot uh, in that show a lot actually and i think it's because of his influence on that so. what's crazy about that action scene is that even though it, it's you know it's got a lot of cuts in it and everything i still know where i'm at most oh, of yeah. the time which is something that i can't say for most action movies that come out these days right um, that, that and, was the big thing for that particular sequence was we were very conscious of where that i guess it's a missile that's mm-hmm. sort of the center point of the whole thing and we were yeah. very conscious every time we drew something uh we we wanted to make sure that we were tying that in so that we could tell where where we were as as the audience is very important yeah it so. definitely shows i i really i really enjoyed that i was like i didn't know that was the th- i knew your scene was in that episode but i didn't know that was the scene until <laughs> afterwards after a you know i was like watching I was like this would be a good one this yeah. would be a good one for him to have a storyboard on and sure enough it was yeah. well uh we mentioned game of thrones briefly you're doing some work for them or have right uh i have yeah this is uh this is uh my first official uh announcement of that too uh, <laughs> Oh, sorry. We got the scoop. <laughs> there you go. You got the scoop. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I did, uh, I did two episodes of Game of Thrones for season seven upcoming. Fantastic. So, oh, wow. As you can imagine, I'm not allowed to talk about that at all. Yeah. <laughs> did you get to fly to Iceland uh, or some crazy ass place to meet a director? No, that, that was actually a really good, uh, uh, example of me working very well over Skype. Uh, <laughs> I figured. I figured. My, my director was in Ireland and I was here. Well, I wasn't going to ask you about the specifics of it. I just, uh, I love Game of Thrones. So I wanted to make sure I brought it up and let fans know that you have been a part of that now, too. Yeah. I'm very excited about those episodes airing because I really want people to see those storyboards. Like I, after the, <laughs> after the episodes of like Flash and Supergirl air, I always post my storyboards just so that people can see them. And then I get a lot of favorable reaction online from the people who really enjoy seeing that stuff. And the, I mean, I'll be honest, the Game of Thrones stuff is some of my favorite stuff that I've ever done. Awesome. So, can you, can you name some of the directors that you worked with on Game of Thrones? Uh, I worked with one director on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name, is Matt Shackman. And okay. He's a, new ad- he's a new addition to their uh, to their team over there. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, one of your favorites. What are some other of your... You've got an extensive history 
uh, in features and in TV. What are some of the, the favorite projects? I'm sure, of course, the ones that you're currently working on, but what were some of the ones that stood out over, over the years? There's been lots. Uh, like Resident Evil was great because for me, that was like my real, my first real feature. Uh, I'd worked on a, on a much smaller uh, movie called Highwaymen, which never really got a theatrical release. Oh, I remember uh, that movie. <laughs> it was directed by the guy who directed The Hitcher, so that was yeah. kind of cool too in its way. But it didn't turn out to be Wasn't like a fantastic movie. But Rona Mitra and Highwaymen. Yeah, it was Rona Mitra yeah. and uh, Jim Jim Caviezel was yeah. the uh, was the lead. Yeah, that's right. Wow. I remember yeah. the trailer. We actually ran trailers at our old theater for this movie, and I don't, and I and I think you're right. Like we ran the trailers, and it still didn't, there was no movie that came out. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it had a brief theatrical run in Texas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then, like, it's just strange, right? Like, it's weird how these things either don't do or don't happen. But even that was a long time ago. So there was none of the video on demand that you could have taken advantage of now and, and all of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, and then it came out on video one day and I was just like, oh, I got to go find this. And I, and I dug it. I dug around and I found a, a store that carried it. Uh, and I bought, a, I bought a DVD copy of it for like 40 bucks. Because, <laughs> well, they didn't expect to sell it, I guess. That's and, insane. Yeah. But, it, you know, I mean, that was back when I when I cared to like own everything that I'd worked on. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know. Uh, it's yeah, amazing they anymore, didn't but. just give you a copy after you <laughs> got it done. Now we're long gone by then. They give you your crew gift and you're done. That's Get true. Out of here. That's true. But yeah, uh, <laughs> so that was but that, so that was good too because that was technically my first feature. But then uh, like Resident Evil was, uh, and it's kind of funny to say this considering, but it was like my first like real movie that mm-hmm. actually got released in theaters and you know actually like they tracked the budget or the the box office and all of that stuff right yeah and ended up spawning like what another four movies now so yeah um so it's yeah, that was good and you know i mean i knew who alexander witt was uh he'd done uh, like a lot of second unit for uh directing for ridley scott and so wow. when i found out that he was the director i was like wow this guy this guy knows what he's doing mm-hmm. right so i went into that and i learned a lot um and i was the second storyboard artist brought on to that uh, so I actually met and created a good working relationship with a gentleman by the name of Rob McCallum, mm-hmm. who is like Toronto's storyboard guy. Like he's worked on everything from Pacific Rim to, uh, well, every big movie that's been shot in Toronto for the past 20 years. <laughs> um, uh, much to my chagrin because he got a lot of jobs that I went out for and I never got. So. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a good one too. And then and being able to see like the final uh, the final version of that and actually see stuff that I'd storyboarded like on, on the big screen and go, yeah, that's, that's what I drew and stuff. There's a couple of really great shots from the, in that movie from like the bridge where everybody's trying to, there's, there's like a barricade set up and yeah. there's all these people trying to get through the barricade. I'd storyboarded that sequence and it was, oh, cool. okay, yeah. cool. And, uh, and then I guess like next after that would be Assault on Precinct 13 yeah. the that they did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which turned out a hell of a lot better than I think anybody really expected it to. Um, I actually really enjoyed that movie a lot. Yeah, um, I remember liking that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Like for what it was, it was actually a pretty solid action movie. And I just the director and I on that actually got along really, really well. And mm-hmm. uh, he was a French uh, gentleman from like France, fr- like French, right? And, uh, <laughs> there were some there were some communication problems with some of the crew and stuff like that. But being uh, like I was brought up in uh, in the Ottawa area and stuff, so I understand French. Uh, mm-hmm. better than I can speak it, but I, 
but I can understand it a lot. So he could talk to me in French a lot, and I would get what he was saying, which was good. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, and that was also the first first time I ever actually like rolled around on the floor with a director to describe a fight sequence. Well, which was, <laughs> was kind of interesting. It's the first. Is there, <laughs> vid- is there a video of that somewhere? <laughs> there is not, but I, it's the first and also not the last, actually, as it turns out. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been asked to storyboard a sex scene? Um, I have storyboarded a sex scene. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. It's like drawing um, porn. I actually have those storyboards. If you want to see them, I'll keep them. Uh, I'll, sure. I'll them I really didn't expect you to say yes, so I'm, I'm thrilled. It doesn't happen very often. It's funny. Every time I think of it, too, it, like, it brings to mind. I know you guys love State and Maine. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's, a scene, there's a scene where they're looking at the storyboards for a sex scene in State and Maine, and it always reminds me oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Kerchunk. So. Kerchunk. Kerchunk. Right? <laughs> 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 Anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was for a, that was for a movie called Wolves that again didn't get a didn't get a big theatrical release. But and yet I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're playing it on like Stars or Showtime. Oh, or really? That's, well, that's where you would have seen it. Yeah. And again, it was uh, that was uh, uh, that was a that was an exciting movie for me as well uh, because like a lot of these experiences for me are like not necessarily like end product. Uh, specifically why they're good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that was directed written and directed by David Hayter, who did uh who wrote the first X-Men movie and he he did the screen adaptation for uh for Watchmen. Uh wow. so you know some big cred there. You know, yeah. whether or not you like whether you like Watchmen or not, I think he I think he did a pretty good job adapting a movie a comic books that you can't really adapt that well but yeah um so that was just uh, a great experience working with him and just you know uh sort of like a almost from a fanboy point of view <laughs> you know what I mean? so, <laughs> yeah so which i've had quite a few of those as well recently which is kind of fun as well so, what were your fanboy experiences uh well uh joe dante directed an Ooh. episode of legends of tomorrow in the first season that's so, awesome cool. Yeah, like, you know, so the first 10 minutes of that interview was just like, oh, my God, I love the burbs. That's the first one also, you bring up. <laughs> you're like, not gremlins. Also, <laughs> yeah, you're like, all right, I'm going for the burbs. It's I love coming. the burbs, too. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> And I found out that he appreciates it a lot more if you bring up the burbs first. And I didn't know that before going in, but I found out afterwards. Well, I'm so going to remember cool. that because I do. I remember that movie is yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Inner Space actually came on uh, my movie channel recently. I oh, watched yeah. That again. That holds up. <laughs> wow. It's been a while since I've seen that. <laughs> What what are some other fanboy moments? Uh, well, the big one for me really is uh, is Kevin Smith. Oh I yeah, mean, uh, he's directed two episodes of The Flash, uh, and one episode of Supergirl so far, and oh, cool. uh, yeah, and the first time I worked with him, it was just like, holy shit, you're Kevin Smith. I will fully admit to being a little giggly when I went into the room to 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 be introduced to him. How could and, you not like, be? I imagine like, he's you know, I mean, as cool as it gets. He is super cool. And like, I was like of the perfect age for his movies when they came out. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, like he was making those movies for me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, among many other people, but, uh, but just a huge influence on wanting to get involved in film and, you know, various other things like the comic book stuff that I'm pursuing and, and all that stuff. And it's always been, you know, and so then I met him and I was like, holy shit. And then I worked with him and that was cool. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I bet you'll get and to work like, with him more too because his episodes have gotten 
a lot of acclaim. Mm. Really well received, yeah. And uh, so it's been it's been great. I mean, I'm pretty sure they'll ask him back to do at least another Flash. I mean, he's already done. He's coming back already in February to do another Supergirl. So I mean, yeah. I mean, he seems to be forging a pretty good relationship with these people, which I am perfectly okay with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really, thanks to you, Jeremy, I realized how much this DC universe is going on TV right now. I, I knew, I knew, like the Flash was out, and I knew Supergirl. I didn't know about any of this other stuff at all. <laughs> I was just like, wow, they really built a big ass universe with yeah. this thing. You know, they really um, have, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's got to be kind of exciting to be a part of that because they're, I mean, they're making a lot of stuff, a lot of, and it's yeah. got a, a huge following, you mm -hmm. know. It really does. It's just it's it's staggering to me. Like I didn't I didn't realize because I I hadn't really followed any of the fandom before I started working on them, mm -hmm. um, and just to sort of as, as almost as a self serving sort of uh, uh, step, I joined Twitter and I started to you know sort of pimp myself as an artist and as a storyboard artist on Twitter. And you just, you get sucked into all of these, uh, all these conversations and just, you know, the, the, the shippers and the, just the people who love all, you know, and it's just, it's huge. And it's a lot bigger than I thought it was. I got a question um, for you. Is there sure. a Marvel TV show storyboard artist across town that's like your nemesis? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, uh, they shoot the the Marvel stuff in New York, so oh. they, they have a guy over there, and I don't know who it is. But, uh, but he's your nemesis. Jeremy <laughs> <laughs> Jimster. Uh, yeah, exactly. I hate that guy. He's like the he's like the baby with the dark black eyebrows on the Simpsons. Yeah, he's no, we actually try to be very friendly with each other. Yeah, uh, because you never know when you can't do a job and you need somebody to to call, or or somebody else can't do a job and you want them to call you and all that stuff. So, uh, I do know, however, like on Twitter, I've actually managed to uh, to sort of connect with uh, with the guy who does the storyboards for Agents of Shield, and that was oh. uh, so that's. His name is Warren Drummond, and mm -hmm. he's uh, he's very talented. So there you go. Yes, <laughs> awesome. That's down in L.A. So that's you know he's no he's no threat to me up here. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's such a weird thing, right? Like we're always so like magnanimous about everything, but but we like we like our work. Yeah, we like our work. Well, I imagine at this point doing so many of these episodes of the DC universe and everything. Now you're you've got people coming to you a lot, right? You're not really having to fish for work that much, are you? No, I've I've uh, since moving to uh, Vancouver in May of 2015. I have worked uh, every week since being here, except for the two that I took off just uh, to take a vacation around Christmas just now. Yeah. Uh, so what are what are some other like what are some other movies and TV shows you can talk about that you're that you're, that are coming up aside from Game of Thrones and all that? Um, I worked. Uh, I've done a couple of episodes of Lucifer. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, that was for a specific director. So, like, I'm not on a regular call for them, but when this one director comes in, he he calls me. Uh huh. It's because uh, you rolled around on the floor with him before. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that wasn't him. That wasn't him. Uh, <laughs> you have a floor uh, rolling then, relationship with this director. <laughs> sometimes it's the only way to describe how you want something to work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. Uh, no, I totally get it. <laughs> Uh, I did uh, some stuff for men uh, in the High Castle, oh, okay. uh, awesome. which is currently in season two, which I guess I could probably post now. It's been out for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I did uh, there's a show called on Hulu called uh, Shut Eye, which uh, I haven't seen, but I've seen commercials for it. So that's out now. OK. 
and the most uh, recent thing that wasn't a, a DC TV related thing that I've done was uh, uh, Adam Wingard's uh, new feature. Oh, cool! So Adam Adam Wingard did the the new uh, the Blair Witch reboot. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he did a movie called, uh, or is working on currently in post production on a movie called Death Note, which is based on a Japanese manga. Okay, uh, which is going to be a, a direct to Netflix release, I believe. But that's uh, that's the future. So yeah, well, we were talking with the Modern Horrors podcast here, talking about how that's basically the way things are coming mm-hmm. out yeah. nowadays, uh, especially in the horror realm um, and everything. I've noticed that there's a lot of horror coming out on Netflix right now. Yeah, yeah, and like and, all those like those streaming services. Yeah, and a lot of times they're better than the stuff that's coming out in theaters. So yeah, there's no but there's the, no shame in coming out to Netflix. No, absolutely not. Like the stuff for theaters tends to be a little diluted, right? Like mass mass audience stuff. As that's opposed correct. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten to the point where I've where I've stopped going to see them. Really, yeah, so, yeah. You know. Although, let's be honest, uh, Netflix has a six-picture deal with Adam Sandler and has made two seasons of Fuller House. So <laughs> it's not as though everything's a gem over there. It's a no. It's a mixed bag. Mixed bag. Not what we were saying at all. <laughs> um, all right. So you guys have any other questions? I did. I did write down one, Jeremy. That I I said we should ask him if he ever met Kevin Smith. And if so, when he did, did Kevin Smith talk about us? <laughs> and then in parenthesis, I wrote, not, not really. Know, I'm funny. not really going to ask this. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because we did actually, we talked about the Star Wars video that you guys did. Oh, oh no, for real? Which oh, I, I was so terrible about that. Of, which I was a big fan of. I thought it was great. And, and he enjoyed doing it. And, you know, I mean... You got to listen to the people, I guess. But yes, they just nah, see. Yeah, I would have liked to have heard the other two done, but <laughs> me too. That's one of those cases where I didn't care what the other people said. I was like, "This is awesome." He took what we wrote and made it into his own thing, yeah. and that's I, what he does. And, and it's amazing, I right? loved it. I loved every minute of it. Putting that in there, oh, dude, and I was just in no way prepared for any negative backlash. <laughs> yeah, because even if you don't like Kevin Smith movies, I felt like I could be wrong. I felt felt like people still at least respected that he went from a nobody to Hollywood without changing or losing any of who he was. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why I consider him one of my heroes more than the content he made. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't let the system change him, but he got his way in there. And so we launched this video and like 30 minutes later, I'm crushed. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, oh, God, <laughs> they hate it. Yeah. And, and it sort of like cast some shadow over over us somehow, you know, like we're you know, we've done something wrong or whatever. But anyway, thank you for that story. We, we didn't expect you to actually have a story. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't. We didn't have like a huge in-depth conversation right. about it, but I definitely told him that. Just I, the that fact I that it was mentioned and, three hours later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was Kevin Smith's on the couch, like crying. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy's playing the psychiatrist. Yeah, just the uh, fact yeah. that it was mentioned is enough for us. We're not. We're not looking for anything huge. Yeah, I just uh, like for me. I just don't personally. I don't understand how how people can can hate that dude. Like it's like. It's. I feel like people get like personally offended that he's decided to make movies that he wants to make sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And but he's just got such a like whether you like it or not. Like personally, I thought Tusk was amazing. Yeah. I loved it. It was weird and just very cool. Uh, I'm. I've yoga hosers for me. 
was a cool nostalgic sort of throwback. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen it I yet. I still haven't had a chance to see Yoga mm. Hosers. Um, I, I recommend it. It's very strange. I'm not going to lie and say that everybody's going to love it, but I loved it. I thought it was cool. Well, Kevin Smith has sort of gotten into this Canadian like uh, connection now. <laughs> he's doing it in this weird sort of satirical kind of way. But yeah, he's doing one more, apparently. It's called, uh, he's playing on Moose Jaws. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, gonna, yeah. It's essentially Jaws with a moose. And, yeah. and, and, I mean, I'm with the same way about Tusk. I thought Tusk was a, was a fun movie. I, I think once he becomes the walrus, that's where it, it loses a little bit. Like everything before that, though, he's Kevin Smith writing some of the best dialogue he's ever written before. Absolutely. Is in that the conversation movie. when you after he's been drugged and they're talking like when they're sitting in front of the fire with the. Oh, oh it's fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we appreciate you coming on to the show, yeah. Jeremy. Uh, uh, we, we, I think we really love hearing about all these different jobs in Hollywood. And we had Aaron Sims on earlier and, you know, and he does just like special effects and stuff mm. like that. And it's like this, it's like the type of stuff that you don't hear about yeah. really and everything. And I think it's just a really, I mean, it's, that's why we enjoy having people like you on the show. Yep. No, well, that's very that's very kind. Thank you very much. I mean, I'm. It's interesting because it's like yeah, like I mean, storyboard artists. I've told people I'm a storyboard artist before, and they're just like, I what? Yeah, <laughs> like, what is that? Right? Yeah. And, uh, and it's cool because I because I like describing my job. Like it's kind of cool because a lot of people don't know that it exists, and then when they start to understand what it is kind of like oh that's cool you know i didn't know what that was and you do this job that i didn't know existed that's pretty neat right? <laughs> yeah it's yeah. a pretty awesome so. <laughs> job for sure yeah and we're glad to hear that you're like just you know you're crushing it right now too. yeah so yeah I, I'm, I'm doing okay i'm yeah. doing okay and cross fingers that that uh, that that gets to uh that that gets to continue so. yeah absolutely uh, if you don't mind go ahead i had i had one story that i promised i would tell oh yes absolutely oh, <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with anything but i just think it's kind of funny so i figured okay. i would tell when I was on uh, uh, Jumper, mm-hmm. uh, this was back in the days where I where I smoked. So every now and again, you'd have to go downstairs and and smoke outside the building. So I would I went downstairs one day, and Samuel L. Jackson is on a bench having a very heated conversation with uh, with a woman. I don't know who the woman was, but he was very upset about something. And uh, I was just like, "Holy shit! I haven't look. I haven't. That's Samuel L. Jackson." Right? <laughs> and I was like. And I didn't really know what to do. Um, so I kind of like, I need, here's my opportunity to go over and meet Samuel L. Jackson so that, <laughs> so that I at least can say that I've done that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but like, but how do I interrupt this conversation? And I got to tell you something too. He, like, Samuel L. Jackson is a great character on screen. He is exactly the same. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he was, imagine his best sort of ranty dialogue on, on the screen that you can imagine. And this is exactly what I was watching, right? <laughs> and I was just like, <clears throat> so I spent my entire cigarette uh, trying to figure out how I'm going to, how I'm going to get in there, right? And finally, just at, towards the very end, there was a, there was a break, right? <laughs> and, and rather, I don't know why I decided to do this. I was I was married at the time, and I'm, I'm not married to that person anymore. But um, I, I went over and just kind of interjected myself in, not right in between them, but you know, I made my presence known, right? <laughs> and and um, uh, they just kind of like he looks over, and I go, "Hi, hi, Mr. Jackson. I just you're here, and uh, if I." didn't say hi to you like seriously my wife would kill me (laughs) 
And he looked at me, and I swear to God, he said, you know, you didn't have to tell her. <laughs> and I said, that's a good point. And I turned around and I went to <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's my story. That's my nice. good story. I love that story. Yeah, that's definitely good. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show and uh and giving us uh you know your life there. Um Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're hey, you're welcome. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime at all. Absolutely. <laughs> if you got, yeah, we'll, uh, maybe we'll get you back when Game of Thrones is in full, full thrust yeah. and we can ask you what's going on, <laughs> what you were doing on that season. Okay. I'll tell you what, when the season's over, have me back on and we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, man. All right. Absolutely. absolutely. That's a deal. All right. You want to queue it up? All right. Let's uh, queue it up. Let's queue it up. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. First question is a fun one uh that kind of i'll be the judge of that yeah mm -hmm. uh, it reminds us of the recast a uh christmas movie question and this is about star wars since you all agreed that the cg characters in rogue one probably shouldn't have been in it and even vader sounded off mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. recast the original star wars trilogy as if they had been made after rogue one mm. so current basically so in other words Commit sacrilege. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> we're going to recast Star Wars. Who wants to go first, boys? You guys go. All right, I'll go first. All right. Okay, so for Luke, I got uh, Asa Butterfield. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Because I think he's about the right age now. Because mm -hmm. you have to remember, like, how old was Carrie Fisher when they shot this? Like, 19? 19, yep. yeah. So trying to look young. So. Yeah, and Mark Hamill was like 26 when he did Star Wars. Okay, so I, mean, I could have gone a little older on him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it matters. As long as they're of around the age that they're yeah. supposed to be, it's fine. Now, listen, if I got Emma Watson as Leia. Nice. And if she's going to play a princess, it should be Leia instead of Belle from this shot-for-shot shot live action Beauty and the Beast remake she's going to play. <laughs> uh, for Han, I wrote Nathan Fillion is too old, damn it. Um, <laughs> because he would have been great. great. And I'm going with a really odd choice here. Um, I'm going to go Dev Patel for mm -hmm. uh, Han Solo. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I like it. Because I think he's the right age. I think he's got just enough crazy and dancing in his eyes. Yeah. I think he's charming. Um, and so I think that would be an interesting pick and you know yeah a little bit of diversifying there but i yeah, like it wasn't really intentional um i'm not gonna say you okay so 3po uh -huh. is jim parsons mm -hmm. nice yes. big bang theory yeah yep. best one i got in this whole goddamn <laughs> list yep. that's good he would knock that shit out of the park uh for obi-wan i'm really i'm excited about this because all of us have awesome selections for obi-wan uh but i'm gonna go with jeremy irons yeah <laughs> which is <laughs> nice. a nice little circle back to earlier when we were talking about the simpsons anagram yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Irons. yeah. <laughs> didn't plan that another home run here darth vader is going to be voiced by vin diesel oh yeah. that's perfect vin diesel would be awesome that's Perfect. That, that'd be great. Um, and then, uh, you know, you guys actually listed more characters than I did. Uh, but Grand Moff Tarkin, I got Bill Nye. Nice. Lando, I got Most Def. Nice. Uh, if you can lower him out of whatever he's doing now in wherever the fuck. He's most deafing right now. He's like in another country. He's, like, he's most definitely name. most deafing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and then for the Emperor, I'm going to go with our man Paul Giamatti, because I think he would oh, shoot that man. shit. Oh, that would be awesome. I don't know if he would look menacing. But man, okay. This is the one I have a problem with, I think. I don't know if I could get Paul. I, I love Paul Giamatti, as you know, but he's got a certain way about him that I can't see him as the Emperor. 
Well, yeah. if you do that voice, then maybe. he is incapable of doing any other. Uh, voice. He did Harvey Picar. You're right, but Harvey Picar was even like Paul Giamatti. Yeah, schlubby. Yeah, but but Paul Giamatti is an actor, yes. so he should be able to pull it off. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm that you know I'm totally right and you're totally wrong. I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, I'm totally right. I'm, you're totally wrong. I <laughs> no. What I'm saying is, is I imagine him in that role, and I'm sitting there listening to him talk, and he's just like you know he's pig vomit and private parts. Um, but anyway, all right. So there aren't all home runs. I can live with it. <laughs> all right, I'll run down mine pretty quickly. So. Another person that was in the talks to be Spider-Man, who ended up being Spider-Man, Tom Holland, yeah. is my Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he could kill that. I mean, I he, you've, he sh- you've shown uh, just in the brief glimpses of Spider-Man that we've gotten that he's very charismatic, um, loved his character on the phone in Locke, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I think he could I think he could well, totally pull it off. Well, and he is physically able to do probably a lot of his own stunts, mm-hmm. too, because he's posted a lot of Instagram videos of his training for Spider-Man, and he could do a lot of cool shit. You put a lightsaber in that guy's hand. Yeah, it'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be good. Yeah. Good yeah. For Leia, Chloe Moretz, man. Yeah. I mean, that girl is, that woman, I guess, at this point, yeah. she's 19. She's 19. Uh, is on a trajectory that's going to be fantastic, yeah. and I think she would nail that. Uh, my Han Solo, it's sacrilege because he's in that other star franchise, Chris Pine. Oh, that's oh, not yeah. sacrilege. He would um, be a great Han Solo. Man, that guy well, just absolutely shocked me with his Kirk portrayal. Considering that J.J. Abrams did both Star that's Trek true. and Star yeah. Wars, it, it really, we're not, we're probably going to start seeing that a lot, yeah, actually, yeah. now. But I think he'd be awesome. Anyway, uh, for Vader... Alan Tudyk as the voice mm-hmm. because oh. I think he can do anything. By I the think way, he can. Uh, on SoundCloud, we get ter- uh, we get corrected by a listener saying that uh, in a very hilarious way. He said, "If you're going to you know laud this guy, you have to say his name correctly because we say Tudyk sometimes." And he was like, "Think about a th- porn threesome and not the cool kind." And then that's the way that you pronounce it. Tudyk. Tudyk. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm the one that says Tudyk all the time, so it's not like it's not like every time Alan Tudyk is in a movie, they like say Alan Tudyk. You know, it's not like you hear his name a lot. Derek Jacoby. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yes, I know that uh, Chewbacca really doesn't. uh, It doesn't really matter, but I think Jason Segel would really eat up a Chewbacca role. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last one, I got two more. Okay, Moff Tarkin. Tim Roth. Yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah, choice. That's perfect. Yeah. British as fuck. Yeah. Menacing, all that mm-hmm. stuff. He might actually be a better emperor than my pick. That's good. Yeah. Even though you picked him for Tarkin. But go on. And my Obi-Wan is going to be Jeff Bridges. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a good call. Okay. I think you could do that now. He's he, just like Giamatti. Yeah. He's, he's going to have the Jeff Bridges draw. That's yeah. the problem. He's going to sound like he, Rooster He's going to be like, you know. <laughs> yeah, but he's got, he's cut his teeth in Starman and like some action films in the past mm-hmm. and everything. So you yes, use he's grown the into force loop. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm done with yours. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. No, I I have an all black Star Wars, so I can't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't really say. I mean, this is something that we're gonna get some. We're gonna get very deep on this one. All right, so Luke, I have Daniel Kalua. Who um, now? This is not a lot of known names here, but mm. Daniel Kalua was in Sicario and he was in an episode of Black Mirror. It was the one where they uh they're like exercising and they're oh, getting yeah, points. Oh yeah, I know and, exactly who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he's the main guy in yeah. that one. 
Um, and he's also going to be in Black Panther that's coming oh, out yeah. in uh, next year. Mm. Uh, he is 27 right now. So he's right around the age Mark mm. Hamill was when he did Star Wars. And I think he would, I think he would be perfect. He's very charismatic. Yeah, he's extremely charismatic yeah. and everything. As Leia, I have Kylie Bunbury, who... Uh, if you saw the promos for Pitch or watched the oh, yeah, or watched yeah. the show uh-huh. Pitch or whatever, she's the the pitcher that's on mm-hmm. Pitch. Uh, see how many times I can say Pitch in one <laughs> sentence. Um, she's also I, I remember first seeing her. I was actually struck by her in the the Sitter, Jonah Hill movie that hardly oh, anybody yeah, yeah. saw, yeah, but. Yeah. She's in that, and I was like, "Damn, who is that?" You know, that's that's kind of girl Kylie Bunbury is. If uh-huh. That's how you pronounce her name. It'd be a perfect lay. I actually thought also at one point, Gugu Mbatha Raw, who is uh, another like like girl has been in like a million things you've mm-hmm. seen, and she's very pretty. She's in that movie. Uh, what's that one that came out where she was like an adopted daughter? Belle. Oh, she's okay. the one in Belle. If you've seen that, mm-hmm. okay, maybe you don't know who. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. <laughs> Han Solo, I have Brian Tyree Henry, who's also on Atlanta. He plays the the rapper uh, Paperboy. Oh, yeah, yeah, the main, uh, not the Donald Glover, but the the main rapper guy. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he'll play. He was, he's paper, he's the Paperboy in Atlanta. He'd be Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to start getting into some like name actors here. Lando Idris Elba. Oh man, you have Idris Elba as Lando. Uh, then I'm going to have Denzel Washington as Obi Wan. <laughs> nice. That's good. Nice. Uh, Which is crazy because I picked Denzel as Lando. Oh, did you? Yes. Um, I didn't hear that. I didn't say it. You didn't I, say I, it? I picked it on my I list. I was like, so I'm, I'm, I'm in a spaced out during Barrett's thing. <laughs> no, I got Denzel as Obi-Wan. He's about the same age as Alec Guinness. That'll throw you a little bit. He's about yeah. the same age as Alec Guinness was back in Star Wars Day. Yoda. I've got Eddie Murphy doing the voice. I think Eddie Murphy could do the voice of Yoda. <laughs> nice. Um, All I can hear is donkey, but I'll yeah, go with Yoda. exactly. <laughs> but if he could do it a little, I mean, he's done other voices before, so I feel yes. like- uh here's another guy you don't know c3po sam richardson he's also on he's on veep he's in he's like a like a lot of comedy movies he's mm. in he's in the office christmas party he's fucking hilarious on veep yeah he in veep he's he's like a super welcome addition on that he's hilarious i think he'd be great great c3po and there's a show called detroiters coming out which he's gonna be on i don't know if you've seen the promos for that mm-hmm. um uh for darth vader um i loved vin diesel by the way i was probably <laughs> gonna go that way but i'm gonna go with keith david oh he's a good pick too. Yeah. he's got a beautiful voice yeah, a beautiful yeah. low voice that i'll never be able to implement <laughs> um as grand moff tarkin i have morgan freeman morgan freeman's gonna be 80 this year he believes that shit he's and he's way older than what peter cushing was back in the star wars days but he don't look 80 does no, he? no no and for emperor palpatine samuel L. jackson because fuck the prequels that's right <laughs> 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 So th- wow. that's my all black Star Wars. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let your hate motherfucking flow through you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Can you imagine him as the emperor? It'd be awesome. Here's the next one. I was very happy to hear you guys speak so kindly about my favorite movie, Stranger Than Fiction, back in your 2006 podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. My question is that if you found out that your life was being written by a movie screenwriter, like in Stranger Than Fiction, who do you think it would be, and who would you choose to write your life? And I followed up on this. Who would you want to narrate it to? Because mm. I think that would be super awesome. Because Emma Thompson, 
who was the narrator or writer in Stranger Than Fiction, has a beautiful voice to mm-hmm. be walking around to. Uh, so that would be really, really good. But my other pick was Ian McShane. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, you're going some deep cuts here, man. <laughs> because he's got that wonderful, deep Scottish brogue and everything. And yeah. everything would sound like have extra gravitas to it. <laughs> uh, anyway, and then my uh, my writer for my life would be Joss Whedon. Mm. because uh, I would have much more witty uh, interactions, at least on my side, because, you know, he would quick and and quippy and stuff mm. like that. And I'm thinking more like Buffy the Vampire Slayer of Joss Whedon and not Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, good call. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think Age of Ultron Joss Whedon is the same as those other Joss Whedons. It's just he wasn't allowed to be Joss Whedon. Oh, yeah. Could be correct. Mm. He didn't let his Whedon out. Yeah, that's right. They, they wouldn't his let little him take Joss. his weed out anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they constricted his weed. Put it away, Joss. <laughs> Showing up, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> your weed away. That's right. All right. Um, okay. So for my writer, uh, I I went with Richard Linklater. Uh, nice, because his movies all have not all, but that. They seem to have a, a realism about them, and uh, he seems to place an importance on relationships and interactions mm-hmm. between characters. Um, and then for my narrator, I'm going to go with David Attenborough, who's the uh, BBC yeah. nature That's great. Narrator. That's awesome. Uh, I, I think even if my life was boring as hell, like if Linklater gave me the movie Boyhood as my life when he was writing it, it would it'd still be engaging as fuck if David Attenborough was reading <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The blue-footed booby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually going to go completely opposite here. You talked about realism. I'm going to go very surreal with Charlie Kaufman as the guy <laughs> who's going to write for my... <laughs> my life because yes while i have i think he um he approaches people like me and i see a lot of myself and people like john cusack and being john malgovich mm-hmm. and and nicholas cage and adaptation and philip seymour hoffman and um but uh but i see a lot of myself in those kind of characters because you know it's and he and and the life that they lead even though it's very surreal on screen and everything I haven't really experienced, you know, going through John Malkovich's portal or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, I'm in a, I, I get in a lot of situations where I'm like, I'm this is so weird to me. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um. So when you said someone to narrate it, uh, I know you guys haven't seen The Lobster. It came out this past year. Um. But Colin Farrell in that movie, uh, has has a sort of an affectless type of delivery in his in his um like his line readings and everything mm-hmm. very quick and very just like not human at all and it's on purpose and it's hilarious but i think it would be perfect for a movie that charlie Kaufman. Wrote. interesting nice yeah good pick okay i'm curious if there is an actor or actress that you forgot was fantastic uh, for example, for this uh, listener, it's Jimmy Stewart. He remembers watching It's a Wonderful Life as a youngster, uh, but then saw it recently uh, over the holidays and remembered how great this actor was. And he wants to ask us what our examples are. What do you think? Okay, so I, I guess this could be read a, a couple of different ways. One is, oh, that guy is good and has always been good, or that actress has been good, you know, whatever here's a person who I don't think is good anymore. Mm. And then you look back at his earlier work and that's Johnny Depp. Yeah. I, I used to 
in the nineties, when he would come out with a new movie, I would be like, hell yeah, it's Johnny Depp. You know, that's awesome. You know, and he was usually good in those movies and the things that were good about it. He didn't like overextend mm-hmm. like he has done now. Uh, and you look at stuff like Donnie Brasco, Ed Wood, even Edward Scissorhands, which is still along the lines of stuff that he does today, but still understated enough to, oh, yeah. you know, once he did Jack Sparrow, it was a great boon to his career, but it was also the worst thing that it's ever happened to his career because after Jack Sparrow, he has sort of done that Jack Sparrow thing. We talked about that before with the, you know, the yes men and everything like how directors in the seventies like became, uh, shitty directors in the 80s yeah. because they started believing in their own bullshit well everybody told him on pirates of the caribbean i don't know what the fuck you're doing <laughs> this is going to be terrible we're gonna have to fire this guy and all that turns out to be the biggest hit of that movie now who's going to tell that guy no when he does something shitty yeah. in in a, in a movie and that's what's been happening and man that alice through the looking glass like i think the makeup artist was bored on that yeah. guy he <laughs> yeah. just it, he looks horrible he he's like what you're talking about oh my god he looks terrible in that and he doesn't i mean he's not in it for very long either but i mean it's just it's so sad watching him mm-hmm. in that and everything i've seen him in even i mean like black mass is something that you know it's not a great movie he's good in it i guess it's really the only movie i can see that he's good in the past mm-hmm. 15 years Besides good pick. the first Pirates. All right. So I'm going to go with Emma Stone, um, who has always been, quote unquote, good mm-hmm. in the sense that she's, uh, you know, she's a household name. She's been in blockbusters. Um, but other than the help, a lot of her work has been in comedy mm-hmm. um, with, you know, Easy A. Mm-hmm. And even in even in the Spider, the two Spider-Man movies, she's she being funny. Um, super bad. Yeah. Uh, House Bunny. Uh, and then I watch La La Lamb. And she's great at the end when she does her big audition song. That's actually fantastic. I think she owns that moment as good or better than Hathaway did her song in Les Mis. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just powerful. But the scene I'm talking about is early on, the first audition we see her on, uh, she's in the middle of this dramatic phone call scene where she's crying. Yeah. And some PA walks in the door and interrupts her, and the director starts talking to her, and Emma Stone is frozen like should i keep going am i supposed to what am i and it derails mm-hmm. her audition and then yep. the movie shows us several auditions where she's bad yeah but i love the movie for showing us early on this chick has talent yeah so when it pays off later you're not surprised and i'm sitting here watching that scene and i was like man i forgot how good an actress she is like she's funny comedy timing timing is hard but she's got chops and mm-hmm. i had forgotten that until la la land yeah i agree with that totally. she could be a super duper star and is kind of on that trajectory right now she could do the roles amy adams is doing and getting mm-hmm. acclaim for she's got that good of an acting ability i think that dinner scene between her and Ryan Gosling where there's a lot of like people talk about Claire Danes' cry face mm-hmm. and that's become kind of like a meme. Yeah, to, yeah. Um, but she's got a great cry face. It's not, yeah, and it's, it's weird to say, but it, it doesn't like, it's not messy. It's mm-hmm. realistic. It's how people actually like tear up when they're trying not well, to Well, and cry. I love that scene too because the music goes off. And he sets fire to the dinner, you know, like you, yeah. there's these subtle background clues as to how long they've been arguing <laughs> that, you know, are just there if you're paying attention to them. And then we, of course, we see the needle on the label of the record. It's done. Playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's over. God, I love that movie. Yeah. Every time I watch American Beauty, I'm reminded how amazing Annette Bening yeah. is oh, yeah. as an actress. Um, 
she has like a way of of doing things that don't seem dramatic, mm-hmm. uh, that seem grounded in reality, but are so it's just beautiful to watch and the the scene that i go to all the time and it's not the fuck me your majesty scene, oh, yeah, although yeah. that just popped into my head yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scene when she's in the she's she's gone to all this trouble to set up this open house and everything oh yeah and she's really you know tried to to make this career work and everything uh going against the king you know and you know once the lights go off and everybody clears out of the house she's got this moment where she breaks the fuck mm-hmm. down yeah and start smacking herself. Get it together. Get it together. And oh man, it, it just it hits me every time. Like she's she's terrific in a lot of things. Yep. But she it, it kind of seemed like in the mid to late nineties, like she was kind of just kind of coasting a little bit. Uh, but this just knocked it out of park and reminds me how much talent she has. Yeah. Good call. She's lost the Oscar to Hillary Swank twice. Like oh yeah! Both years, Hillary Swank Swank won. She was up for an was Oscar. It the kids are all right. I believe Boys Don't Cry. Hillary Swank won when the American Beauty year. Oh yeah! And then Million Dollar Baby. I can't remember what she was in on that year, but um, she's been nominated four times. She's never won. That's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, Being Julia. She was nominated in for the million. The year Hillary Swank won for Million Dollar huh. Baby. Um, she was nominated for the Grifters, American Beauty, Being Julia, and the Kids Are All Right. She's yeah, never yeah. won. Uh, but uh, that's another one that I feel like probably should have an Oscar by yeah, now. And yeah. she's been beaten by Hillary Swank twice. Not to say that Hillary Swank is bad. It's just that it's Hillary like, Swank is bad. You could say it. <laughs> okay, Hillary Swank is bad. I think we can all agree that. I'm, no, I'm just, just kidding, Hillary <laughs> Swank, because I know you listen to the podcast. <laughs> if we've decided on one thing today. <laughs> <laughs> all right last one this is a weird one but i like it if you could show any film to any audience what would the film be and who would you show it to mm. uh the example is a very nice example of the messenger to an outgoing high school senior class mm-hmm. um i guess uh, i'll go first um i imagine that and it may be different you know looking on it and not experiencing yourself but if you took a bunch of people who had never seen anchorman before mm-hmm. and who had you know, once or twice only smoked pot before and then, <laughs> and then got them, you know, nice and, and kind of high and sh- drop this movie on them without them knowing it. That would be a hilarious, beautiful time, mm-hmm. you know, because, yes, there are movies that are like funnier and that kind of thing. But this thing just hits you constantly. Yeah. And it maybe when you're in that kind of state. That's what you want, man. You want the hits to keep on coming, you know? And I think that would be a lot of fun. You know I like chaos, so my joke answer was Rec Room for a Dream to a first grade class. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Because I'd love to be a fly on the wall as the as the administrators explain to the parents why they chose to show the yeah, ass-to-ass like scene you, to a bunch of six-year-olds. Like you took uh, Cinderella and stuck the sticker for Rec Room for a Dream, yeah. or took the Rec Room for a Dream and put Cinderella over it or whatever. It's like yeah. those kids in Fight Club yeah. when they see the little porno yeah, picture yeah, 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 and yeah, you yeah, see yeah, one of them cry. Yeah, yeah. Um, my serious answer, and I'm going to sound like I'm just a La La Land homer right now, but I would show La La Land to any up-and-coming young uh, Want to be entertainers, uh, singers, mm. actors, uh, writers, for a bunch of different reasons. Because I think there are various points in the movie you'll relate to. I think the movie both sells the dream that you can make it and sells the reality that not everybody can. Mm. Um, and uh, it's just it's just magical. But uh, if I were 
17, 18, and I wanted a career in Hollywood, uh, seeing this movie, I think, would inspire me. It absolutely would. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to go with something that I probably said before twice, at least uh, before on this, but I'm going to show the raid to to marvel and dc oh nice <laughs> and say this is how you make action scenes he's gonna lock them in a room and play and they're this gonna say they but we cast chris hemsworth not an actual martial that's artist what i got that's what i got written down i said this might be a problem with actors who can't do the stunts or it might be some you know it could be like uh just a lesson in getting the right actors or whatever but at least make it look i mean stop cutting it so goddamn many times yeah <laughs> i don't need i mean i know that you're trying to make this you're, you're trying to hide some of your mistakes too while you're doing this but for the love of god make an action scene that i can sit there and follow for longer than 10 seconds yeah <laughs> that's all i fucking ask and i when i walked in today oh chris, jesus christ chris was watching a, an, an action movie and i heard him go Rah! and i was like, oh, it's kind of, like look at this bullshit and it's like cut there cut there it's like frame by frame another was, cut another cut another i mean cut. i'm going in slow motion and it's going quickly just imagine watching it in real speed which is what i was doing and i was just sitting there going god damn it how do you watch this movie when you're in the editing room and you go that's what i want <laughs> yeah yeah you don't yeah oh my god um anyway yeah good pick all right well uh that's gonna be the syncast for this week uh continue going to soundcloud and giving us your thoughts yeah and thanks to jeremy Simpson for appearing on our uh, podcast thanks, good talking dude. to him mm -hmm. and uh yeah keep those comments coming man they, they keep getting more and more and more and we try to answer as many of them as we can uh go there and let us know your thoughts um go to itunes give us a a comment uh, if if it happens to be positive, man, we're not we ain't gonna be mad at you. Um, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. go ahead and uh, we, we definitely like positive. Yeah, no, I, I we're we're yeah, fans. Like, God okay, damn uh, it, they liked another episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're okay with negative too, because fuck those guys. Yeah, but not really. No, I mean, yeah, if you're gonna be negative, I mean, fuck those guys. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, um, or, or girls, they could be assholes too. Um, <laughs> anyway we're not sexist yeah exactly is it sexist not to hit you is it sexist to hit you I mean, it's so confusing yeah. um anyway uh that'll be the syncast for this week it's chris Atkins and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com Uh, let me cut to the chase here. <laughs> Who says that anymore? <laughs> hey, I'm going to cut to the chase. You see? I love that part in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Paul Rudd's like, oh, the weather outside is weather. <laughs> I did that the other day. Um, the, uh, Jeff and Dan watching playoff football and they were talking about they started quoting forgetting Sarah Marshall and I suddenly said oh the weather's outside is weather <laughs> come on you know what hey you know yeah. hello you sound like you're from London <laughs> uh, do less no, you're, you're not doing anything you're just laying there right now yeah. just, you, you have to do more than that do more no, a little less you know, I, I forget how how many little background touches of humor are like 
how much uh, Bill Hader gets into the puppet performance at the end. Oh, like how yeah. into <laughs> that last note he is <laughs> to the point where he's like holding it a half second after everybody. Well, he's he's, he's right also there. like a, like going like basically in front of the entire audience to do yeah. it. So like <laughs> yeah. he comes up out of his thing and <laughs> I watched a little bit of Trainwreck uh, the other day and he's a little funnier than I remembered him being oh, in yeah. that. Especially like in the uh, the first scene where they meet, he meets Amy Schumer and she's like interviewing him and yeah. everything. And she's like, because they, they both say together, like he's like, well, now I work on a lot of, and she's like, black people. And he's like, athlete. did you say black people? <laughs> <laughs> then she's like, it's this whole thing. Like, oh, I've got so many black friends. He's like, show me a black friend on your phone. I bet you have a picture. It's like, yeah, right there. And it's like her and her white friend and a waiter. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's no, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> the LeBron thing was a little funnier too. Cause he was like, they have that conversation where he's like, you know, Cleveland, man, why don't you ever come to Cleveland? Mm. It's, it's the city of angels, whatever. It's like, I know you text me that all the time. It's like, <laughs> I got free texting. What? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. With its whippy tail. Yep. The beast was done. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm never going to cast, you know, pick an actor. I a- Andy McDowell's never going to be in any of my <laughs> casting <laughs> fantasies. <laughs> you know what would make this better? Andy McDowell. <laughs> what about your cocoon remake? <laughs> That was one of the things I thought about uh, when they were like, pick pick a movie to show somebody. <laughs> I just wanted to show Retiree's Cocoon yeah. over and over again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, there's hope, old people. Well, I mean, and uh, that's what uh, John Cusack tries to do and say anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I forgot that. Yeah. This is the movie Cocoon. <laughs> And then it was like the one guy gets up and he's like, no, no, the movie's not over yet. Just sit down, sit down. <laughs> What's Ioni Sky doing these days? I don't know. Watching should, Stranger Things and going, what the fuck? We should, I'm right here. We should mm-hmm. we should call her up. No, just kidding. <laughs> <Excuse> <laughs> Next no, week on the podcast. No, it's been a long time since we've called her. Oh, was that Ioni Sky in Four Rooms? Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Good. that was a great career choice. Four Everyone rooms. owns a copy of Four Rooms. Took off, man. I own a copy of Four Rooms. And you represent everyone. Man. I don't have a problem. I have problems. <laughs> Plural. Hello, Betty. <laughs> I got a big fucking needle sticking out of my fucking leg. I liked two of those rooms, man. And the, the other two were- The uh, Robert Rodriguez one was really good, yeah. and the Tarantino one's good. Yeah. Alison Anders one is not good. <sighs> And they started and the, off. And the Alexander Rockwell one's not good. I I, I, I think that's kind of funny. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, Jennifer Beals, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the the one with the Coven of Witches, I think. Is no. That, is that uh, the Allison Anders? That's the Allison Anders one. Allison Anders is the one that has like Madonna and uh, Alicia Witt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Fucking yeah. D-girl. Sorry. Alicia Witt played uh, <laughs> 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 that movie producer on... Sopranos that Christopher oh, bangs, right? Yeah. And when they break up, he calls her, you fucking D-girl. 
Well, it's a, some, apparently some kind of production insult. <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever heard that phrase, but it's uttered like three times in that episode. And so when you said Alicia Witt, the first thing I thought of was Christopher saying that. So. Wow. That's going to be in my insult repertoire. That's correct. Out. Also a good one from Gone Baby Gone, which I saw part of yesterday. You ever mistreat her like that again? I'm going to pull you a fucking cod. Mm-hmm. Pull you a cod? <laughs> I'm going to pull you a fucking cod. He goes on to talk about being slow poked in jail by a bunch of crackers, but... It's when he's talking to Cheese. Oh, After yeah. he makes her lift up her shirt. Oh, yeah. You ever, you ever disrespect her again like that? I'll pull your fucking cod. <laughs> good stuff. Are you going to see Patriot's Day? I'll wait to that see what the world tells me. looks terrible. It, it looks does. terrible. Uh, the, the thing about that trailer that bothers me the most might be the part where Wahlberg, they're like looking at, they're in that room. Or whatever, and then he's like, "We gotta stop these guys before <laughs> <laughs> they do this to anyone else." Yeah, and it's like, no fucking shit. I also like. Thank the- God, Mark Wahlberg was oh here to tell us. It appears his character is going to be right there at the bomb site and right there at the capture site. Yeah. Oh yeah. And which uh, is yeah, that totally fucking happens. Yeah, that's that's exactly how police work well, in and- a big city like that. Okay, so it's called Sleepless. Hmm. Um, which apparently there are three things going to be called sleepless in 2017 because this has three Roman numerals next to it. Oh, really? Three. I, I, I uh-huh. like, so anyway, sleepless, that trailer came on the other day and it was nothing but Jamie Foxx going, where's my son? What did you do with my son? I need you to give me my son back. I need you to my son, my son, my son. It's like, he says it at least seven times. Jesus. I'm not kidding in that trailer. <laughs> awesome. Where's my son? I need Sign to go find my son. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen that Blame It on the Alcohol song? The mm-hmm. the video? Mm-mm. So it's it's Jamie Foxx and you know what I'm talking about though? The Blame It on the uh, Blame It on the Hitty, Blame It on the uh, 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 Alcohol, Blame It. No. It's, it's him and T-Pain okay. doing that like his T-Pain why I don't stuff. Know it. And, but the video is like them all walking into a club and like, you know, everybody getting out and like Jamie Foxx got the shades on and everything. And then uh, Forrest Whitaker's in it. So he's like, you know, walking up and everything. And then there's Jake Gyllenhaal with a fedora looking like kind of a tool. And you're like, all right, whatever. Uh, and then Ron fucking Howard walks into this club. And he's all like getting bottle service and shit. So stupid. <laughs> I love it. I love that song. Okay. All right. <laughs>